Hello, everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening around the world, we're also fortunate to have the opportunity to dial in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions around the globe, working daily to help their clients move through these difficult times. Joining us today on this special ELA podcast program are Nita Beecher with Fortney Scott in Washington, D.C., and Fiona Ong with Shaw Rosenthal in Maryland. So we're back to discuss OSHA's emergency temporary standard on vaccination, testing, and masking. Nita and Fiona joined us a few weeks ago after we learned that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, in a two-to-one decision, dissolved the stay that was previously placed on the ETS by the Fifth Circuit. And since then, the Supreme Court reinstated the stay. Today, Nita and Fiona are back to bring us up to speed on these important developments and give us some further insight on what this decision means for employers and employment requirements. Welcome back to the program, Nita and Fiona. How are you both today? I'm happy to be joining you again today. And things look pretty different than they did the last time we spoke, right, Nita? That's exactly right. And Tara, happy to be here on this Martin Luther King Day. Well, thank you both for joining us. So as we know, the Supreme Court stayed OSHA's emergency temporary standard. Can you summarize the basis for the ruling? Sure. When we last spoke, the ETS had been stayed by the Fifth Circuit, and then that stay had been lifted by the Sixth Circuit, as you mentioned. And as we discussed in the last podcast, you know, that was that was pretty earth shaking for employers at the time. But the issue of whether a stay should be imposed then went to the Supreme Court and a split Supreme Court found that the challengers are likely to prevail in their argument that the vaccine mandate is unlawful. They characterize that ETS as ordering, quote, 84 million Americans to either obtain a COVID-19 vaccine or undergo weekly medical testing at their own expense, unquote. And while OSHA has the authority to regulate workplace health and safety, COVID-19 obviously extends well beyond the workplace, and thus, according to the Supreme Court majority, permitting OSHA to regulate the hazards of daily life, quote, simply because most Americans have jobs and face those same risks while on the clock, would significantly expand OSHA's regulatory authority without clear congressional authorization, unquote. The majority acknowledged that OSHA could regulate occupation-specific risks associated with a particular job or a workplace. But OSHA can't impose a general public health measure, such as this broad mandate, which the Supreme Court called a blunt instrument that, quote, draws no distinctions based on industry or risk of exposure to COVID-19, unquote. I think, Fiona, what was really interesting to me about this decision, now it's, it was part of the shadow docket. So it was appealed up to the Supreme Court, actually, to Justice Kavanaugh, who has the Sixth Circuit, and they had an unprecedented two-hour-long oral argument after obviously having submitted massive amounts of briefing to the Supreme Court. But there were three justices who clearly want to cut back the ability of the executive branch of the federal government to regulate. And this is, I think, the first opening salvo in that attack on what a lot of conservatives consider to be the administrative state. And so given the Supreme Court's stay, what's the current status of the ETS? Well, that is an interesting situation. So it goes back to the Sixth Circuit. And I think we talked about on our last podcast, the fact that OSHA has a special provision, and Fiona probably can talk to that even more, 
where it goes to the court of appeals and you actually skip the district court level, which we'll talk about for some of the other vaccine matters. But it goes back to the Sixth Circuit. But based on the Supreme Court decision, it is very unlikely, even if the Sixth Circuit, the OSHA wins on the merits of the ETS in the Sixth Circuit, the Supreme Court is going to reverse that and basically say, just as they did in reinstating the stay, that OSHA does not have this authority. Fiona, do you have some thoughts about what OSHA can do in light of this position? Yeah, you know, the Supreme Court opinion addressed the VAX or test requirement, but obviously there were a lot of other requirements that were in the ETS, like the vaccination leave or the masking requirement. So it'll be interesting to see if the Sixth Circuit addresses those when this goes back before them. You know, another option, though, is that OSHA could choose to withdraw this ETS altogether and say, you know what, we're just going to rely on what's existing already with the general duty clause under OSHA to provide a safe workplace and the national emphasis program that they had previously issued on COVID-19. And I've also heard some folks speculating that maybe OSHA might even come out with a more targeted version two of an ETS something that is going to be more limited and more in line with targeting specific workplaces like these high congregate workplace like prisons or or meat processing plants. I guess that is another possibility. You know, it's it's hard to imagine that OSHA didn't think that this could be the result of the ETS that they issued and therefore, you know, they might have a plan B. I also want to point out that the ETS does function as a notice and comment opportunity for a regular standard, and that comment period is still active. It closes in two more days. So it is possible that OSHA could eventually issue a more limited regular standard, not just an ETS. And how has OSHA reacted to the ruling? Have they issued a statement or any other guidance that really shows us where they're heading on this? Yeah, actually, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh has issued a statement expressing some disappointment over the Supreme Court's ruling. And he also urged all employers to require workers to get vaccinated or tested as most effective means of combating COVID-19 in the workplace. He emphasized that employers are responsible for the safety of their workers on the job. And he referenced a comprehensive COVID-19 guidance for employers that OSHA has previously issued. And he further said that regardless of the ultimate outcome of these proceedings, OSHA will do everything in its existing authority to hold businesses accountable for protecting workers, including under that national emphasis program and general duty clause that I mentioned previously. So based on the statement, I would expect OSHA to increase their enforcement activities, you know, on-site visits, findings of violations. Nita, what do you think? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I agree with that. There are a couple of problems right now, though. OSHA is very undermanned right now, partially because it had small budgets over the last number of years. And I think a lot of people retired and left. And there was going to be a huge amount of money given to OSHA in the new budget, which has not passed yet. So it'll be interesting. The one other thing I just want to throw to Fiona is one of the things that I wondered is the Supreme Court was very unhappy about the idea that people had to be vaccinated and that that was something that they were stuck with. What if they simply had employees be masked or test on some regular basis and at the, let's say, at the employer expense? Do you think that would be something that might be a little bit more targeted? Well, I certainly think it's something that OSHA is probably thinking about. And so, you know, along the lines of what we just discussed, you know, in terms of a plan B or a more targeted ETS or a more targeted regular standard, that certainly could be something that they're thinking about. Yeah, a lot of variables here. So once employers overcome their case of legal whiplash, what can employers do now in light of these developments? 
Well, you know, a lot of employers in preparation for the ETS, and given that it was in effect, albeit for a short period of time there, went ahead and implemented a model policy. And to the extent that they did, you know, this ETS is no longer in effect. So they can withdraw that policy. I've had some clients say, you know what, we already have this in place. Maybe we should just continue to use it. And I would say that, you know, that really is not necessary because that model policy contains far more than is required or even advisable for employers, right? Because there are information requirements and vaccination leave requirements and things like you can't do at-home testing and employers have to keep test results. There's a lot that I think employers don't need or want to bind themselves to. But of course, they can choose to implement vaccine and testing and masking mandates and provide leave for vaccinations. But in doing that, there are certain things that they absolutely have to keep in mind, right, Nita? Exactly. I was just going to mention, there are two states that ban vaccine mandates, even for employers, those of you in Montana and Tennessee. And in addition, there are nine states, and you can probably guess which ones, that have all these additional exemptions to employer mandates. So you have states where they're very pro-employer, except when it comes to vaccine mandates. And then meanwhile, you have New York City. I don't know if you all have been watching the saga of, you know, basketball players can't play in their home city of because they won't get vaccinated. They can't go to Canada to play and so forth and so on. So I think it is a real hassle. In fact, I had a, an email exchange with a client who's decided to go ahead and require employees to be vaccinated or test. And that was one of the things I warned her is now they no longer have the coverage of federal preemption that was in the ETS, which is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of other things that they have to keep in mind in terms of, you know, perhaps under state law, they have to pay for testing costs or they may have to provide masks. There may be mask mandates. There are certainly a lot of COVID leave laws that have been passed during the pandemic some of which may also require things like vaccination leave. So, you know, everything just boils down to that state and local level. What do you recommend for an employer who's operating on a nationwide level with this patchwork of laws at state and local level, and now the OSHA ETS is not there? What does an employer do? Call their ELA attorney who have all (laughs) their friends in all the other jurisdictions. (laughs) No easy answers there. Exactly. So the ETS specifically carved out settings covered by the contractor mandate and the healthcare ETS. What happens now with those? Well, that's a really interesting question. And I know Fiona has been on a number of these calls with OSHA and the various DOL, the Solicitor of Labor and others saying, um, so if the ETS goes in, but the vaccine mandates are still, you know, under stay, what does that mean? And I think well, first and foremost, the easiest answer is the healthcare ETS is gone. It basically is no longer in effect. So that exemption is out of there. And I think, I wonder if that's partially, we'll talk about the CMS in a little bit, but the federal contractor mandate is a whole nother situation because it is now under four separate states. You've got, they are in the 11th circuit, the 5th circuit, the 6th circuit, and the 8th circuit right here in my home city of St. Louis. And one of those is obviously going to make it to the Supreme Court. And I think the most interesting one will be coming out of the Sixth Circuit, which is also where the ETS goes back to, because that decision talks a lot about the major decision theory of law, which is discussed in the ETS quite a bit. So 
We don't really know where the federal contractors stand right now. Nothing's in force. And so I don't know that the federal contractor mandate is ever going to go into effect. Fiona, what do you think? I agree with you. I think it is just a complete mess. And, you know, clients are just throwing their hands up in the air right now saying, we don't know what to do. You know, it's pretty clear with the on-site contractor employees, the people who actually go to federal workplaces, you know, but beyond that, I think it's just, you know, a crapshoot. Now, you mentioned the CMS mandate. The Supreme Court did not stay the CMS mandate. So what does that mean for healthcare providers who receive Medicare and Medicaid payments? Right. Well, just as a quick reminder, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services issued that vaccination rule the same day that OSHA issued its Fax for Test ETS. And it was also immediately challenged in court. So several federal courts issued stays covering about half the states. And the Supreme Court majority has now lifted all of those days, finding that Congress authorized the Secretary of Health and Human Services to impose conditions on the receipt of Medicare and Medicaid funds that are in the interests of the health and safety of the patients who are receiving services that are paid for by those funds. And such conditions are routinely related to the qualifications and duties of healthcare workers. So the vaccine mandate falls squarely within that category. But of course, the CMS rule only addresses vaccination. It doesn't require testing. I think Nina mentioned that earlier. You know, if if somebody's not vaccinated because of the medical or religious exemption, there's nothing that talks about testing or masking. It doesn't require leave or anything else that was covered by either the Vax or Test ETS or that earlier healthcare ETS that Nita mentioned has been withdrawn. Now, in terms of that healthcare ETS, again, that was also a notice and comment opportunity. So OSHA might follow up with a regular standard there or maybe not and just rely on that CMS mandate, which does cover many of those same healthcare employers. It's interesting to see the difference in the Supreme Court decision for those who had an opportunity to listen to the oral argument. My favorite line, which I've, I told Fiona and Tara, was one of the justices, and I think it was Gorsuch, who said, you know, we really can't have patients being killed who are receiving Medicare and Medicaid. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line they were unwilling to cross. Well, great. Well, any other final thoughts or recommendations for those who are listening on just how to sort out all these varying rules, Nita? I just think, and uh, Fiona, I'm going to let you have the last word, but I really think you just have to stay on top of it. We should get some kind of a decision around the federal contractor mandate. And I've been telling clients, at the very least, you should know who's vaccinated and who isn't, and maybe go ahead and decide whether they get exemptions or not. If we don't have to go down that road because it's withdrawn, that's fine. But I think you don't want to be caught short and not have at least stuff, you know, have that information available. Fiona, anything else? I agree with you. And I do think that at this point in time, you know, testing is something that is, I know it's been a little bit challenging finding those at-home tests and maybe some of the testing results taking a long time, but it does seem like things are getting ramped up in that area. And so it does appear to be a relatively accessible option for many folks. And, and so particularly for those employers who do have higher risk workplaces, I do think that it's a, a smart idea just to keep in mind that testing option and, and certainly to keep in mind the, the masking option for folks who are not vaccinated. I think that's something that OSHA will be looking at if they end up coming on site to do a, a visit. Well, this has been a very timely and relevant discussion. Nita and Fiona, thank you so much for joining us today to update us on this important ruling. And we may certainly keep you in mind for future events as things continue to shake out in this arena. It would be our pleasure. Thanks, Tara. 
If you would like to connect with Nita or Fiona, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. You can also search the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. It's Pete Waltz from Employment Matters, and welcome to the podcast in 2022. We're grateful for all our listeners that joined us this last year. We crested the recording of our 250th episode. And a shout out to all those listening to us in more than 100 countries with over 40,000 downloads. It's been a very fascinating year, a lot of trying times, but a lot of opportunities to share and learn knowledge from our members. Couldn't do it without our new moderators that have joined us this year. Coming from Africa, Asia, and Middle East. From Africa, we have Shemaine from Tanzania, Chloe from South Africa. Kato joined us from Belgium and Europe, and in Asia, we have Raymond from Malaysia and Cynthia from Hong Kong. Of course, we couldn't do all this without our founding hosts. We've got Philippe from France, Michaela from Germany, and from the U.S., we've got Tara in Nebraska, Susan in West Virginia, and Holly from Florida. Lastly, we can't forget our friend Mark up in Manitoba, who brings us the shows from Canada. Also, last year, with the help of our Spanish-speaking members and clients, we launched Asuntos Liberales which is our Spanish Employment Matters channel. We have 30 episodes in Spanish. Our founding hosts there, Francisca from Chile and Alexandria, have done a great job launching that in LATAM. And this year, we're excited to invite Rene from Bolivia. He's going to be joining the channel as well as one of our hosts. We also got some great feedback on a new program we have that's tied to our Global Employer Handbook. So if you haven't listened yet, check out Travel Tuesdays. For each Tuesday, our CEO and founder, Steve Hirschville, and I will chat with members from around the world to learn more about the important topics facing employers in their part of the planet. So on behalf of the Employment Matters family and all the ELA members around the world, we want to wish you a safe and healthy 2022. We hope you continue to join us throughout the week as we continue to cover hot topics and news that you need to know about when doing business in your jurisdiction or anywhere across the globe. Thanks.